Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Ross from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. Um, if you use your channel, please consider subscribing and hitting that bell notification button so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Um, we've got videos going up daily, but sometimes I might be in a good mood. We might have just beaten Chelsea or something like that. You know, these things happen. Um, and I put on two, three videos a day, so make sure you hit that button because every story, every memory, every opinion is 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 worthy. And so I want you to miss any of them. Um, today's guest, for example, uh, he was part of that that amazing 1999 youth FA Cup winning squad. Um, he was, he is now, does a lot of work for, obviously, we'll talk about the type of work he does now, but he does a lot of work for the, the uh, FSA. Um, and also he is assistant manager at Aldershot Town, indeed. Um, also, which I think is really, really cool, doing a bit of delving into his, his past. He was obviously the first British Asian to captain a professional uh, side in the first four divisions of the of English football, which is absolutely amazing. It's Amor Udin. Hi, Amor. How you doing, man? I'm very well. I'm pleased to uh, pleased to be on here with you. Thank you very very much for your time. I I, I gather you're you're a very busy man at the moment. Well, judging by uh, how you introduced me, you've got a sample into my life because you know when someone says, you, "Hello, mate. Uh, what do you do?" I sort of like right, deep breath. And there you go. So it's, uh, it's it's quite a complicated one in terms of what I do. But in short, I just say I work in football. But no, prior to be doing all that I'm doing, uh, working in sort of football governance and obviously still uh, with Aldershot Town as assistant manager. So still in the game, I love. So happy, but as you said, very busy. Yeah, very busy. And, and obviously, as you said, part of your remit is, is sort of, you know, is, is liaising with football fans and, and groups and bodies. And uh, it's probably never a dull moment for you at the moment. No, it's, it's always really, really interesting. I mean, just this morning, you know, talking to some Wigan fans about the uncertainty with their club. And actually had a similar call just before um, I got on here with, with Newcastle fans because is there a takeover? Is there not a takeover? How do we prepare for that? What's going to change? I think football fans, you know, they're that, constant in every single club and I think it's really important that everyone actually remembers that and is aware of that because players come and go I mean I had a 
you know, I was fortunate enough to play for about 15 teams in, in my career. And, you know, you come, you love it, and then you leave. But the fans are still there. And I think it's important that they feel like they have an insight as to what's going on, why it's going on. Um, because unfortunately, like this year, you know, you've seen teams like Berry that have you've gone out of business. And I mean, th- th- we're not talking about teams that uh, have been around for a few years. We're talking about teams that are steeped in street stadiums. You know, what do their football fans do? You know, you've almost got to choose: do I support a new team or do I wait until we you know, start a new team from the bottom up? So, lots to do. But um, working with football fans is a joy, actually, because, you know, it's, it's, it is a job, but it doesn't feel like it at times. No, I get that. I get that. Yeah, I know. And obviously, you know, you were, you were set in your career, both, both from a, a player's perspective and obviously coaching management, with your time at West Ham. Uh, and that's the idea of the channel. It's, it's all about memories and, and stuff like that. So, so when did you actually, because obviously you came from the youth team and stuff, what, when did you start playing at West Ham, Emma? So um, I was like a late developer. So everyone at West Ham um, in my kind of age group were at West Ham from a really young age. So like literally eights and nines. And I was a really late developer. I came in at the under 12 level, which obviously sounds really young. It is yeah. really young. But actually, you know, when, when I came into the club, you had players like Joe Cole that had been here for a little while and a few others that had been here a little while. And um, yeah, at, at under 12, I was fortunate. I genuinely... I mean, it's crazy to think about it now, but I was in talks with Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Norwich, uh, Ajax, uh, because I was um, really big for my age yeah. and I played in midfield. But because I was so big, a lot of, a lot of the managers and coaches played me at centre-half and I was like a ball-playing centre-half, which is quite rare for mm-hmm. someone of my size. And I think it kind of... When the West Ham scouts always saw me, it was like, wow, that's kind of the exact kind of player that we like, someone who can play multi-positions. And, you know, when I sort of had a chat with all the clubs and looked at their you know, facilities and went around and saw the teams and the players that they had, you know, when I went in to watch West Ham, God, the, the players you had were just, they were just the best kids in the country at that time. And uh, looking back now, if I'd have gone to a smaller club, I may have maybe got into the first team earlier and maybe had a a decent career there. But I just felt like, you know what, if you want to be the best, you want to be around the best. And it was a purple patch. You know, call it what you want, a golden generation. But there was so much talent. And I thought, what a privilege to to be with these kids every single day, to grow old with these kids, to learn with these kids and to be part of a club that's that's my local club ultimately. And um, that was it. A uh, decision was made. So I joined at 12 and I was there for what, seven, eight years. Yeah, crazy. What crazy, isn't it? Just that, even at that age, you know, and I, I was saying, I was never, never, never good enough to even think about that. But going, but obviously you have going to all these other clubs and you had, you know, at the age of like 12, as you said, even nowadays it's eight and nines. It, it's mental to think that kids make a decision, you know, you know, they have these, these clubs clambering after them. I mean, to be honest, the reason, one of the reasons why I went to West Ham was because it, it is crazy, as you, as you rightly say, and you do get a lot of pressure. I mean, I don't want to name names, but clubs were offering my parents incentives, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. And there was, don't go to them because they're bad. Don't go to them because he's bad. But one thing about West Ham was, it was that they, it was a little bit of a family environment and everyone seemed to just want to look after you and have your best interests at heart. And for me, I have to say, like, I, I was in a school and all my best mates growing up were West Ham fans. Mm. 
and it was all we talked about it was all we watched and it's just that you know if you've got all the best teams in the world and your local club that wants you i just feel like it adds something that they can't compete with um and for me that that was that was a massive thing and obviously when i signed for west ham at 12 i was bowling around my school like i was um you know like i was lionel messi because everyone obviously supports the club and i'm i've got all the gear i've got all the, yeah. the west ham gear i've got my season ticket i'm like yeah I'm, I'm part of the gang so i'll tell you what it made me feel on top of the world but that was just a start because there's one thing about getting in the door but when you're in an environment where you've got the best players in the country, every single year is a challenge. Because if you fall off of it and you're not as good, they'll just get someone from around the world. There you go. He's a better centre-half from yeah. Australia, from Brazil, from Scotland. So it was, a, it was a tough environment and you had to continue to improve. But, you know, what, what a joy. I mean, you know, being at school and coming in at part-time and then obviously when I joined full-time, to, to be in, in the Chadwell Heath every single day with some of my idols was just yeah it was it was a dream come true and you know what people say oh if you'd have gone to another club you might have had a better career in terms of it would have been easier to get into a Leighton Orient's first team or a South End yeah. United's first team mm. but the memories that I have yeah. no one can take away from me no, and no. I think you know that that is something that's special um you know going around the world with uh with a team and you know having friends that are now world-class players and just mm seeing you know the club that you love so much i just think you can't you, you can't buy that so no. i don't regret my decision um but obviously um always look back with a little bit of regret because you, to go from like 12 all the way to the age of 19 20 yeah. get you get there and you're with the first team you're traveling around the country and you know you're sitting there and you read that reads out the squad and you're like man i'm missing out again that's another mm. stand i'm gonna sit in and then you you're announced on a squad, you know, uh, and you think, right, this might be it. And then again, you, you know, the, you're the 18th man. So it was tough, but ultimately it was all about timing because I was at the club when, in probably in my opinion, it was probably one of the best times yeah. for the club. I think we finished yeah. fifth in the Premier League, which, which would have been my kind of breakthrough season. Um, and to be honest, if you've got someone like Rio Ferdinand keeping you out yeah. uh, at a team, it's not, it's, not, it's not the worst thing in the world, I suppose. No, and you had you had some fantastic players you were playing with, it, you know, even even at training, you know, at Chadwell, you know, it must, as you said, it was it was there was that that period was definitely a, a purple patch, particularly in my my fan career at West Ham with Harry, because it was just crazy. I mean, you know, particularly now, you know, you had, I mean, Harry was there for seven years at West Ham, and you don't get seven years out of a manager now. If you get three years now, you've done well in it, and uh, but I mean, as you said, you know that, and obviously that's your youth sort of career culminated in obviously that 1999, you know, we talk about it. There was a, you know, it was 20 years or just over 20 years ago. Um, and obviously you were right. That was a, a purple patch for West Ham, for the, the academy, wasn't it? I mean, we had, I mean, we, we had Tony Carr on um, and, and that was his, he, he did his 11 and uh, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Academy wow. 11, yeah. to be honest. I, yeah. can, I can imagine that 11 would have been, would have been quite something. I mean, as I said, the amount of quality that was there was unbelievable. But what I think people don't realise is that initially there was probably two or three players that stood out. Michael Carrick, Joe Cole, from a young age, they were just like from another planet. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere we went, consistently good. And it, it at times it was bad for me because it was quite boring. I mean, I remember playing games and we're 6-0 <laughs> up and I'm playing centre-half. And I'm sitting here thinking... <laughs> 
Oh, what about my development? I, I want a challenge, but yeah. they couldn't get the ball off Joe Carl, Michael Carrick. Uh, and then we had the likes of Leon Britton and Richard Garcia, all these. And I'm sitting here at the back thinking, so I said to, to Tony, I say, um, Gaffer, any chance I can go and play out front or in midfield so I can have a bit of a run out? Because we, we, we were so dominant in some games, yeah. obviously against the lesser sides, that it was, it was just strange. But against the better teams, the Arsenals were always good. Manchester United is always strong. That was a different story. But those boys, you know, they were on a different planet. But my point was that the likes of players like the Leon Britons, Jermaine Defoe's, the Glenn Johnson's, the Richard Garcia's, they got better being around those players, mm. you know. And there was players that probably didn't go on to have the careers in which I actually think they, they could have had. It was, there was lads like Sean Byrne, Michael Franti, yeah. uh, Darren McMahon, and they were good players. But being around Joe, Michael Carrick and all the lads and then watching what Frank Lampard and Rio were doing slightly, mm. you know, above us, it just pushed everyone. It pushed yeah. everyone. And actually, to see some of the boys improve in which the way they did, there's no surprise for me that, you know, some of them have gone on not just to have good careers, but, you know, they've had world-class careers, played for England. Um, if only we kept them all. <laughs> that, would have been, that, would have been, that would have been a good thing. It would have been lovely, wouldn't it? It would have been lovely. You know, with, with <laughs> that sort of the golden era, as I call it, the academy with a few, you know, with the Paolos of this world and a few Harry, Harry Deals. It, it would have been, you know, I mean, I've, I've interviewed, I've been lucky enough to interview Harry in the channel as well. And, and he basically said, and it's been quoted by quite a few, I think a lot of people have watched it and haven't, haven't sourced me for it, but I'm not bothered um, with the interview. But basically said, you know, if I'd kept them, them six, uh, we'd have won the league, no problem. You know, no hands down. You know, you, you talk about the yeah, class, and, yeah. you talk about the class of 92, we would have been that, you know, just as good. And I don't think you could disagree when you look at them individually, what they did as, a, as individuals. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a bit of a West Ham way, am I, in terms of, you know, we, it's, we're just used to it. I mean, we, you know, when, you're, when your war chant song is about bubbles fading and dying, you know, you've already put yourself on a, on a plinth, so to speak. But anyway, what yeah. so, so as I said, what, what we just spoke just before we started, um, you know, we like to do this Hammers 11. So the idea is we pick, you know, everyone we get on, we get to pick their 11, their, if they were picking a West Ham 11. Now, obviously, you know, what, what would be good to, to get your take on, obviously, all the types of generations and stuff as well, because there's obviously certain players in certain generations which meant a lot to you, um, particularly, obviously, you know, coming through, as I said before, being the first British Asian um, to, to captain a, a professional football team in England is, is an incredible achievement and stuff. And so, um, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of, of diversity, really, um, in the English game. And obviously, from you on, was it a lot more coming? I know you do a lot of... You do a lot of stuff on, on Twitter and stuff about diversity and obviously everything with Black Lives Matters and everything. It's really not topical, but it's forefront and it should be. Um, so it'd be great to, to get your handle on, on your Hammers 11 and more. Um, you can play, you know, carte blanche for you, man. You can do whatever formation you want. Uh, I'll start off in goal and you, just, you can just crack on and I'll, and I'll figure it out afterwards. <laughs> No, and I listen most definitely. I try to be as traditional as possible so it don't complicate it. But um, yeah, yeah. for me, like as I say, growing up, uh, watching West Ham, talking about West Ham, I started watching West Ham when I was really, really young. I fell in love with football after Italian 90. And yeah. sort of after that 90s period, that's when I was like, I thought football was a game show. Pavarotti singing, Italian 90, England, Gascoigne, Lineker. And that was for me when it was like, I love this. And I'm like, right. 
my local club i'm gonna i'm gonna start to learn about some of the characters that they've got there and you know see if i can get some of that romance from italian 90 at upton yeah. park and i did and i love i love going i remember my first games but judging by that period like ludek mccloscoe was just like a mountain mountain and yeah. um he was a goalkeeper for me that when i was thinking about this shaka hisloff was brilliant with me in a changing room and shaka hisloff is now an honorary patron of show racing ricard fantastic human being also a great goalkeeper and i was thinking out of the two of them it would be a tough decision but mccloscoe was just someone who i've never met many men of that size and i've played for 17 years at every level that was so agile like he was a big man but he could manage to sort of get from one end of the goal to the others he had that kind of you know that inspector gadget type arm and leg (laughs) but he was he, he was he was brilliant and when i went back to the uh, club as the coach yes really welcoming and made me feel part of the family because yes I was there for a long time but I didn't break into the first team and play as many games as I would have loved but mm. he he treated me like I was part of the family and it yeah. was like oh, great to have back and but yeah so him as a person as a player brilliant I thought he was brilliant yeah 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 Shaq is a great we've got Shaq coming on next week so yeah oh perfect looking forward to that man yeah looking forward to that yeah all right we'll put Ludo in goal okay right Carry on. You just go through them as you want to go through them. Anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I was thinking about this and there's probably a few on here that will probably raise a few eyebrows, but I've Good. got a bit of context. Yeah, I've got a bit of context as to why. So, I mean, uh, right back, I, I really, really like Sebastian Schemmel. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he's a really good player. And I know he didn't have a long career at the Hammers, but when I was breaking through and I started to sort of train with the first team I remember one of the, that one of the first it was a year or two he had such a good season he, he did, was yeah, like yeah. a he was like a modern day right back mm. but back then right backs were traditionally kind of very static you know yeah. like get the ball out your feet put it down the line and then this 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 lad come along and he was bombing on overlapping getting crosses in and um, and I got on really really well with him. And at that time, West Ham, I have to say, was a, was a bit of a crazy place. We had yeah. players from all over the world, yeah. as well as really really quality English players. But English players like Johnny Monker, Neil Ruddock, that loved and knew how to create a changing room. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The balance, the balance was ridiculous. And yeah. some of the foreign players that came over, they, I would say, found it tough. But some of them just embraced it. And Shemmel yeah. was one of them that embraced it. Because I remember like people like Shemmel and Repka, they were just as crazy as the lads over here that were crazy. Yeah, yeah, and then you yeah. put them all together. And I've, I'm walking into this changing room at 18, <laughs> like in the first thing, thinking, right, this is all going to be serious and professional. There was, was all mad. Yeah. But I took that into my career because that's what you need. You need that. Yeah. You know, football shouldn't be boring. It should be lively. There should be a buzz about the place. And you want to be in an environment where you push and pull each other. Mm. And, but on the pitch, it's all right. If you need to be told, you're told. Yeah. And, um, and Sebastian Schemmel was someone that came over and just embraced that nuttiness. Yeah, um, yeah. And I thought, he was, for a season, I just thought he was brilliant. So I know that might no, raise a no, few no. eyebrows. It was how in the year that season, Anwar. I thought he was there's, brilliant. There's not many guys who come in foreign-based players as well who come in at right back not a particularly glamorous position and then end up being hammer of the year you know what i mean it's like that, no, year. that was really good uh the other full-back spot uh goes to julian dix at left back yeah um again growing up you know it was very easy to sort of have role models like the gary Linekers, the mark hughes that mm. were scoring the goals playing for the big teams but 
he was just like an anomaly in football. Yeah. His shirt was always hanging off. His socks were always low. He just looked like the angriest person you yeah. you'd ever seen on on the TV. And it didn't disappoint when I start when we met him as a, as a youth team player because I think he sort of carried that through. That's not just an act. That's the way he is. When he trains, he trains like that. Yeah. He is a hundred percent full throttle. There is no second gear with him. Um, but I think, you know, you need that because, to be honest, it's a dying breed. I mean, I made my living on being an aggressive old school defender like mm. a Julian Dix. And you look at the game now, I mean, I'm a, I'm a rant, really, you know, there's not many. But I'll tell you what, like, he's just the kind of player that if he was on a team sheet at West Ham, you knew exactly what he's going to get. You're yeah. going to get blood and thunder. And yeah. he'll give you the odd penalty that he'd smash in and try and break the net. So yeah. I think it's a hard choice because, obviously, you've got a Stuart Pearce who's got a, Oh, got a great career. Exactly. <laughs> but for me, West Ham, Julian Dix is a is 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 a West Ham man. So yeah, he goes yeah. left back, centre yeah. half. Centre half for me, Rio Ferdinand, just an unbelievable player. It was a joy to uh, share a dressing room, share a training pitch with him. You know, at a young age, he was actually a striker uh, yeah. when he when he started off, and then he went back into midfield and ended up being a centre half. But he he was just. You know, like I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I want to be in an environment where I can watch someone, watch the, these players, and learn from the best. And I, mm. and I did because he was, I think, the very best. Yeah. Just composure, calm, great size, great attitude, and you know, no, no surprise he, he had the career that he did. But a fantastic player and a, and a great lad actually, um, mm. South London. And he was one that always looked after the young lads. Yeah. Um, my, one of my good mates, Stephen Clark, was uh, he's boot boy. And at Christmas, he got a massive tip off Rio. I had Javier Margas and Ian Pierce, who are great lads. But when I when when, when we talked about a tip, um, Ian Pierce just told me to to kick it out of the stand, and uh, Javier Margas just didn't even say anything. Get it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rio, Rio, great, great, great. I had um, good with the young lads as well. We we had um we had Bertie on, and um and, and Bertie was saying he was Paolo's boot boy, and uh <laughs> and basically like when it was Christmas, Paolo went. Come here, come here. And they walked out to his car, opened the door, opened the boot. He gave, he went, there we go. It was a pair of brand new boots that Paolo wore, which were two sizes too small for Bertie and came and came with no shoelaces either. So it's like, it's like what the fuck am I do with these? But yeah, no. But, uh, the, lads, the lads of quality, I mean, um, Ian Pierce was an interesting one because he was size 13 and he had about 20 pairs of boots. So I thought, surely, I said, Pierce, surely like, it's Christmas. You know, I've been working hard for you. And, it, you know, he was a great, Pierce is a great lad, by the way. But yeah, he, he, he did reward me financially like some of the others, like the Canios and the Lampards and the Rios. But no, I think Rio, because Rio came through the academy. Exactly, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. when he saw us sweeping, the, sweeping up the stadium, you know, I mean, at Chadwick, there's an indoor football pitch. Yeah. Uh, and I used to have to vacuum it with a Henry. It's to take me ages, and then uh, and I'd always finish, and I'd finish, and I'd go to Peter Brake with Tony Carr. I'm done. Like, can you have a check? And they'd go and go, no, 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 just just do it again, you know, for a bit of a laugh. And they'd always say like, don't worry about it, it's good. But it was that was kind of how it was, and I think because Rio came through that, he looked yeah. after looked after the young boys. So uh, so that's Rio at centre half. Um, yeah, he's centre half partner for me. Another one that might raise if you are Steve Potts. Um, yeah. I know Steve can play it right back, obviously, but I watched him a lot at centre-half. I played yeah. a lot of games with him, actually. But 
I, I just was amazed at his levels of consistency. One of the nicest men in the world, by the way. But just amazed at his levels of consistency. He, you put him a right back, he'll do a job. He might not score a screamer. I think I don't think he scored any goals. Maybe one. Goal one. Yeah. He might not. Yeah, yeah. You might not see him. You know, doing all the amazing things that some of the superstars did. But I tell you what, no matter where you put him, no matter when it was, what time yeah. of year, he always gave you a really reliable performance. And to do that so consistently, yeah. you know, for me as a manager and a coach, they're players that. Literally, they are so integral to anything. You need them. You can't have a team full of, you know, Decanios and Berkovichis and that without Steve Potts. You, you yeah. can't have them. They don't work. So um, that's why he's, he's in my team. Yeah, Mr. Reliable yeah, and an absolute smashing gentleman. And someone that small should be that good at centre half. No, exactly. Do you know and, what uh, I mean? He's he's like, he's, yeah. yeah. He gave everyone hope. But he, I actually think he was quite underrated. I know he was oh, reliable, and, but he, he could read the game so well. And he had yeah. that calmness in possession, which I thought, actually, you know, because it was just Steve Potts, and it? it's, it's Potsy, yeah, it's Potsy. Yeah. But actually, you know, I think Potsy could have ended up getting a move and been a, a great part of any team. But yeah, great, great player for me. And um, yeah, obviously great to sort of have the opportunity to play with him. And obviously when I went back to West Ham as an academy coach, he was there at the 18. So, and he was sort of starting his journey, which was, mm. which was good to see. So that's my back four yep. done. Midfield was really tough, but um, <laughs> in centre midfield, uh, I've gone with Carrick to yeah. take uh, the, the, the fourth position. As I've alluded to, you know, Michael Carrick just was a super football player and he was slightly different to a lot of centre midfield players because he was, he was tall mm. and he was so composed and he had an unbelievable way with the ball. He could manipulate it. He, could, he, could, he had the ability to dictate football I remember when we were growing up, so many games would go to all around the world and play in these competitions. It'd sit in midfield and just, it'd be like a puppet master. Yeah. And he'd just sit there and he worked, worked relatively quick at all, actually. I don't think I've ever seen him sprint. But what a, what, you know, what a conductor. His range of passing was good. He could see a, see a pass and great lad, you know, really level-headed. And uh, no surprise for me that he had the career he had because I think, you know, some of the boys that we had in that academy were, were superstars, but he actually almost fulfilled yeah. his potential and maybe even done a little bit more. Mm. Um, central midfield uh, partner with Carrick, I've gone for Lampard. Yeah. Um, again, another another one that might, you know, some might deem as controversial, but going on kind of my experiences of him and the players that have played at the club, you know, whilst I was watching as a kid and obviously up until now, I don't think I've ever met anyone that works harder than Frank. Um, and it was interesting because when we were at the club, obviously his family were part of the management yeah. and there was always that question mark. But I have to say, when we were sort of 16, 17 and I had my first year at full time, Frank would not have a day off. So when all the lads were off, he would literally be in and training with literally with the 16s just to keep sharp, just to keep fit. And I mean, it was a strange one because I always thought, why, why would he do that? I mean, it's great because obviously yeah. you, you want to be the best you can be. You want to work yeah. hard. It was a great example for anyone. But it was almost as if I think he almost felt like he had an extra point to prove. I might, yeah, yeah. I might be wrong, but I think, you know, when your family is part of the management and maybe people see that you are someone that's maybe coming by that route, 
I think he just wanted to make it crystal clear that he was there on merit. And, and yeah. I have to say, like in terms of all the people I've ever trained with, I've never trained with anyone as, as who works so hard as, as Frank. And it, it, to the point where it'd get annoying because I'd do a really tough session. They'd have me running around and doing all sorts. And I sit down in the, in the, uh, in the dinner hall where I'm thinking, right, I'm done for the day. Maybe do some weights. And then Frank would tap you on the shoulder and go, right, I'm going back out. Can you, you know, do some one-on-one stuff with me or can you do some running with me? You can't say no. <laughs> no. So, but, but that just shows the levels, you know, that you have to, mm-hmm. to sort of get to, to get to the levels that he did. Yeah. And I think when you've got people like that in the camp, all the sort of younger players look at that and go, right, that's what I need to be. That, yeah. That's the level I need to be at. And to be fair to him, I mean, having watched a lot of his games with us, you know, he did really well for us. But again, obviously was just phenomenal because, and I think all that hard work that he had at West Ham, the learning, the training, mm. that was that foundation for a superb career. So, you know, I know that famous interview that Harry Redknapp uh, did that press conference, yeah. fair play to the gaffer because you know, he, he was right. So that's Lampard. Yeah. Left wing, I've gone for Dimitri Payet. Um, simply because I just think he's he's flair and his ability. He's just, you know, like one of those players that you just want to play in the Premier League, let alone mm. your club. Um, I thought he was brilliant. And uh, I, the reason I've got a soft spot for him is because I've got two boys. And um, one of the first songs either of them ever sang was We've Got... Such, my same my daughter, yeah, yeah. And it's like... And, and it kind of like, because I've, I've been wrestling with my family for years. Like my family are all, uh, my, 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 half my family are Arsenal fans. Yeah, yeah. So I've been trying to have this wrestling match. And, you know, when they started singing a Dimitri Payet song, I owe, the, I owe him a lot more than just, <laughs> you know, being a good player for us. Because, um, yeah, he got them he got them buzzing about the hammers. But he was just one of those players that don't come along very often. And, nah. you know, his, his free kick ability, his ability on the ball. He's just a really good player. Shame he worked with us for longer. But... In terms of just players, I was thinking about the players that you know almost could be the match winners or yeah. could do something that any club, any team in this division would want. I think he was one of them. Definitely. So he gets my my left wing spot. Yeah. Although I don't think he's a right winger, but he's going to do a job for me today. Is uh, is Arl Berkovic? Yep. Again, someone that I just really appreciated as a footballer. Mm. I just thought he was brilliant and. Um, yeah. One of these kind of unassuming characters whereby he came to the club, I think it was like 1.9 million, uh, mm. which was a bargain. You know, he, he didn't really have that swagger or the look of a professional football player. He's quite quiet, but he could play. He yeah. could play. And I think like some of his, some of his football and his assists, and, and sort of he was there just before the likes of the Lampards and the Rios. Everyone started to sort of break in. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. was sort of at that, that stage where... We were still good, and I think he he played a big part in that. And I think there was a part maybe about a year where he was he was easily our best player. But for me, just seeing someone like that play effortlessly, the way he sort of like assisted with goals, his passing, his through balls, and he made it look a little bit easier. But yeah. you know, someone like him, I just thought was a, was a superb football player. And I look at all the players that have come and gone, and he's always someone that just sticks out for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, yeah, I know what you mean. And and we, I mean, we've had, you know, I've been very blessed in terms of people come up. We've had John Artson on here. And um, and obviously him and Berkovich, yeah, they had their spat. But 
when we signed Berkovich that season afterwards, that season, John Hartson was the second top, second from top Premier League striker. And he put it down to him, Berkovich, because he just would put these three balls for him all the time. Yeah. Just pick him out. And that's what I mean. Like, you know, someone, I mean, Harry Redknapp always used to say, he said, you know, you've got piano players and piano pushers. You, you need the piano pushers. Yeah. You know, I was a piano pusher myself, but Oh, Berkovich was someone that made others better. And yeah. I think that's why I thought he was, you know, when I, when I think about the best sort of West Ham players I've seen and had the privilege to train with, even in training, it weren't just something that you see on a match day. He was, he was a class above. And as a 16, 17 year old breaking into the first team, you know, all these players and he was someone that you think, oh, you know, yeah, he's, he's a bit special. Yeah. So he goes, he goes right wing yeah. in the number 10 spot. Uh, for me, up front, um, in a supporting role, is Joe Cole. Yeah. Um, genuinely, I, I can't speak highly enough for Joe because, mm. as a, as a kid, it was it was it was it was scary. Um, he was unbelievable, and mm. West Ham actually ended up playing a friendly game against England, and Joe played for England. Uh, we won five four actually, and Joe played for England. I think Joe scored all four goals, but. I always, I always have it, have it with him because obviously we beat them and I had him in my pocket, but technically I didn't because he scored four goals. But that was the other centre half's fault. Yeah, of course. But on, on a serious note, you know, like someone you hear about these kids every now and then, you know, that have got a special talent. And I think Joe had that reputation from a very young age. Yeah. And it continued, it continued, and I think that the Youth Cup final win. Uh, that was great, the Youth Cup final win. But what people don't realise, we also won the kind of the under-19 Premier League, League, yeah. the Premier League Cup. We literally were winning everything. Um, yes, Carrick, Johnson, all the rest of us played a part. But Joe was just that player that when it was tough, when it was nil-nil against Arsenal, you just knew you had someone that could could get you that goal mm. and be that match winner. Um, and, and, and when he got into the first team, it was no surprise. And I think Joe did well, but... I still think that if Joe was with the right team and the right manager that gave him a little bit of a free role and almost not built a side around him, but almost allowed him to express himself, I think he would have had a kind of Messi-like career. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Totally agree. And uh, when I say that, people think, yeah, but Lionel Messi's Lionel Messi. I've seen it firsthand, what what Joe's Mm. done. I've seen him... You know, flick balls over people's heads and nutmeg them and score goals, score four and five. So, Joe Cole for me in the 10. I mean, he had a great career after that, played for England, but just what a privilege to play with someone like that. You know, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, money could never buy an experience like that. And, yeah. um, you know, I used to, I used to, I used to, I used to say to Joe for years, I used to protect him because everyone used to want to kick him. So, Tony Carr and Harry Redknapp would say, right, you're in a team to protect him and him. <laughs> if anyone kicks Carol or Cole the foe, you kick them. And that's all I did. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, but no, Coley, Coley was class. And obviously, my last last spot goes to, to the main man, I think, yeah. uh, Paolo Di Canyon. Yeah, I think yeah. he's probably going to be in most teams. Uh, yeah, what a superb player. And what an absolute joy to, to be around. He was, you just never knew. With Paolo, you just never know what you're going to get from him yeah i've kicked him in training before and he's just walked in and not spoken to me for a month and then literally <laughs> literally literally about a week after that he comes in and brings his nephew from italy and tells me here's some money my nephew's living with you for a few weeks show him london Paolo, you haven't spoke to me for a month because i kicked you 
okay, yeah. look after him and I'll forgive you. So what Paolo yeah. didn't realise is I was living with my parents yes, and I had to look after this young Italian kid for, for a few weeks. But it got me in Paolo's good books. Yeah. Uh, but listen, I mean, you've probably had loads of people talking about Paolo. Super player. I think we were fortunate to get him because of the circumstances. But yeah, unbelievable talent. Great yeah. player, great person. And, and players like that are just great to have around because they, they keep you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was super for the club, and I think it was you know what a privilege to have some of the some of the names that we've spoken about on this eleven at our club, and and had the opportunity to watch them. So Definitely. that is my eleven. Real man, well, it's great, man. Thank you. Um, it's been really, really, really lovely, genuinely lovely chatting to you, man. It's been uh, it's funny. It's funny. You started off like you used to, like you were still talking to the FA, and by the end, he's like, yeah, pal. You know, you you got into you got it all. The West Ham was like creeping in. If you listen, oh, hey, that's it. That's it. It comes in. It's, it's in the fabric of your clothes. You can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of it. Man, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Um, thank no you so much for your time. And obviously, thank you to everyone for watching as well. You know, like share subscribe honestly the the support for the channel is absolutely incredible you know the fact that we're hitting like a thousand subscribers it's only been live for six weeks it's absolutely mental so thank you everyone for your uh, for your support and until next time for me and anwar take care everyone stay safe and see you all very very soon see you, everyone bye-bye sports social podcast network it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.